asked me for is to help him speak to his C-suite, which as it unfolded, I got a little bigger picture of what we're talking about. See, this is the president of a company, but they are a business unit of a publicly traded multinational, multi-billion dollar, monolithically sized entity um, out of Connecticut. He said, Dan, I'm not asking you to help you know, coach me up on a keynote, which is kind of what I'm equipped for. Um, this is an all-day strategic planning presentation in August in which the, C, the entire C-suite office, all the executives from our parent company, flies in on the corporate jet. All of our cars are lined up on the runway, and they land at 7.09 in the morning, and the CEO from said large, monolithically-sized company gets in my car. We all line it up. We get to the facility, to the plant by 8.12 in the morning, and then by 9.03 a.m., we're beginning our presentations. We've already sent our 200-plus deck over to them two weeks in advance. My role, he says, is I have 15 minutes to give an overview executive summary before handing it off to the leaders of each division within my team, and it goes all day long. And in my 15 minutes, he says, Dan, I have maybe 75 seconds to get all my words out before the CEO says, thank you, Bob. Uh, what I'd like to do is just jump to slide 82 because I have questions. And then he says to me on this call, he says, when you work with other CEOs, is it like this all the time? <laughs> and all I can muster in the moment is, well, uh, Bob, everyone's different. That's all I could come up. Inside in my head, I'm going, I've never worked in a situation like this before. I have no idea what this is like, and I don't know how to help you. It's kind of what's screaming in my head. So that imposter syndrome coming on really, really strong. And so I'm, I'm a bit in a pickle. I'm kind of out over my skis. I'm equipped to help people work on keynotes. Give me 45 minutes and we'll disarm you with humor. We'll tell stories. We'll make it cogent. We'll make sure it's clear. We'll do all that stuff. This is a totally different ballgame, one in which I've never been involved. So I'm driving with my 14-year-old daughter, Hadley, and this is all I'm kind of thinking about. I mean, this is a huge opportunity. You know, this, this could lead to that, and that could lead to that, and that could lead to that. So I don't want to give it up, but I also want to be honest. So I say, Hadley, I have a predicament. And she says, what's your predicament, Dad? And just to set the stage, I've shared before, I have three teenage daughters, three driving teenage daughters, all at various levels of, um, of readiness. And, um, but she, so she happens to be driving, and, um, and so I'm just in the passenger seat, lost in my own thoughts. And she says, what's your predicament, Dad? And I said, well, so I explain it. I just lay it all out to her. She's quiet for a moment. And she says, well, Dad, all I know is you're one of the best communicators I've ever heard. And then she says, and you're one of the most socially intelligent people I've ever met. And if this sounds like this is going to be a stretch for you, it sounds like this kind of new challenge is going to put you out of your comfort zone. And dad, just think about all the things back in your history. If you hadn't left the church that you were leading, if you hadn't done, if you hadn't taken the next challenge, if you haven't stepped into the new thing, you wouldn't be right here right now. <laughs> and all I get that now this soundtrack is like run through my head. It's just like dun 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 
Dun, 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 dun. Like, I'm just like rising up. I'm ready to go in this moment. And I'm just curious for you, how many of you right now, as you just find yourself in your life, how many of you are a little bit at a crossroads? You're a little bit sensing maybe something is new, but you're just like circling the deep end of the pool, just kind of want to dip your toe in, but you're not quite sure. How many of you have an opportunity Something that seems to be coming after you a little bit. Or something just seems to be super unclear, but there's something to it that you can't quite put your your finger on. Or maybe you're in this liminal space. This like, I feel like I'm in a transition. I feel like something is, is kind of coming to, to a close, but I, it's so blurry and fuzzy up ahead. Could be a new job. Could be a call to a new city. Could be a new relationship. Many of you are walking through this passage here in May where you just know that in a few short days, your home, your life, your rhythms, it's all going to change because you're walking your children through this most amazing yet just heart-filled and incredibly just accomplished transition. You are graduating them from preschool. It's a game changer, man. (laughs) Kindergarten, holy cow. That is a passage of time that you have to mark. How many of you just say whatever it is, you're in or maybe at the cusp of something new? Just show you. I'm not going to ask you what it is, but you just feel it. You sense it. Maybe you're kind of in it. Up there, yeah, see some hands online. Go ahead and just post it. In the chat, you feel like you're at the the cusp of new, and I love that question Justin asked earlier, like, does the thought of this, does it, like, strengthen you? Does it get you, like, jacked up and excited? Are you hearing Eye of the Tiger? Or are you hearing a little bit more of Stevie Nicks, right? It's like, oh, my goodness, things are changing. I'm not sure exactly how I feel about it. Well, I want to just take you to... A very personal place in the scriptures for me that, um, that speaks and kind of anchors me a, a bit in the story I find myself in. And it's a prophet in the first part of the Bible, we call it the Old Testament. Prophet, is, his name is Isaiah, and he's, he's kind of heard this, this kind of pressing upon from God. Like God is like speaking to him, nudging him. He's putting it down into words, and he's, and he's speaking to the people of God, namely the Israelites. And here's what he says. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, and then ask the most interesting question. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. We're just going to camp out on this passage. There's so much, there is so much here. Do you not perceive it? I'm doing a new thing. Here's the good news about God. God does new. 
Like he's always doing new. God does new. He started new out of nothing. That's called ex nihilo, when he, when he created all the heavens and the earth out of nothing. And then you just look at the story of God, and he's always doing something new. I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to give you a new land. And then he moves on, and Jesus comes along, and it's like, I'm going to give you a new covenant, a new way of relating to one another. I'm going to give you a new wine. I'm going to give you, and like, new is the name again. Apostle Paul says this. He goes, look, I'm going to make you a new creation. And then all the way to the end where God creates a new heaven and a new earth and even says a new city, a new Jerusalem, and then finishes with this amazing statement. Look here at Revelation 21.5. This is like the end, right? This is the, the climax, the crescendo culmination of the story that Jesus, who's seated on the throne, said, I am, I am making everything new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And it strikes me that this is the end of the story. The credits start rolling after this. And it doesn't say, I have made everything new. It doesn't say, everything now is new. He says, I am, what's the tense? Making. Now, there's different ways to view this, but when I think about God who does new and does new all the time. God is not static. God is not stale. God is not planned for obsolescence. God is the one who does new even at the end, that the end is a new beginning, which for me makes heaven a lot more exciting to think about. If heaven at the end of time is just this place where we all just sit around in static, I don't know that I want to be a part of that. But if there's something in the completion of God's redemptive story in which he has made new and is continuing to make new, I'm like, oh, now that sounds really thrilling. Because there's something so adventurous. There's something so life-giving. You know that feeling, right? You know that feeling where, where you're stepping into something and you don't have it quite formed? It's not quite named, but it compels you. It draws you in. It has intrigue and mystery, but it's not well, you know, shaped. It's not scoped out. And yet, you just are, you feel drawn into it. You have to chase this out. I was in, I was in Scotland um, now, let's say, seven or eight years ago. I was a lead pastor at a church in um, south of here, in um, Olathe. I'd been there um, ultimately for 15 years. And I was with our team, our leadership team in Scotland. Kind of like a, a research and training trip is what we were on. And we were on this beautiful property. Just, I mean, picture like, you know, the Habeshire in Lord of the Rings. I mean, it was just stunning. And I was with people that I loved. And I was doing things that I loved. And we were having lunch in this manor. We were like on this rolling hill property, now picture now Downton Abbey. You know, I mean, it's just incredibly gorgeous. But I had this wrestle in me. Like, it, honestly, I was kind of agitated. And so while everyone was having lunch and having a good time, I kind of snuck off. I kind of hopped a little fence, and I went down into this meadow where there was this creek, and I just started walking. And I started having this conversation with God. And it wasn't a celebration conversation. 
And this is something about new. And for those of you that raised your hand, you feel like you're at the cusp of something. You're in the middle of something. The first thing we just need to know is that new doesn't always feel something like worth celebrating. Because there's loss in it. There's pain in it. Someone's moved your cheese in it. And I'm feeling all of those kind of subterranean things in my soul. So I just start saying out loud, like, God, what's going on here? What's happening? Show me. Where are you? I mean, I'm just a crazy man out in the Habeshire. I mean, I'm just, I'm just like totally. And, and, and I'm walking, and I don't know where I'm going, but I can't stop. And I, I've lost a sense of time, but my best guess is that I'm supposed to be back for another training session of sorts. And I don't care. And I come, uh, I come upon, this is the trail I'm on. Isn't that incredible? It's just gorgeous. I felt so lost on that trail. So lost. I wanted to keep walking as far as it would go. And I, I, I just kept walking, I kept walking, I kept walking. And finally a sense of like duty, responsibility caused me to turn around. I just wanted to keep saying, like, what's just around that corner? Okay, and then when I got to that corner, okay, what's, what's around that corner, <laughs> right? You know that feeling, right? And I ultimately turned back, and at some point, I, I shared that with my team. As if you look at Isaiah 43, and we can just put this, this back up, I was feeling, though surrounded by beauty, I was finding myself in a wilderness and in a wasteland. There was something about the current that was becoming old, and I didn't know it. And I didn't know what to do about it. See, new doesn't always feel like a celebration, and you know what it can feel like is loss. It can feel like disorientation. It can feel disillusioning. Dismantling can feel like deconstruction. In biblical terms, there's one word for it, exile. What was God doing in the, in the lives and in the hearts and in the culture of his people, the Israelites? He had to allow destruction. He allow, had to allow the city to fall to ruin the city of Jerusalem and the surrounding areas, people to literally be dragged from their homes to be taken into foreign lands, Babylon, namely, in order for them to be ready to hear God saying, I am doing a new thing. It's springing up. Can't you see it? And I just want to name that for you. New doesn't always feel good. New doesn't always bring a sense of hope, and new you can miss it. Like in early spring, when things are, are rising up from the ground, and they look like a weed, and so you just mow right over it. I see, I think that's what's interesting about this passage. God says, forget the former things. What are the former things? Hard, some hard things and some really good things. And if you read all of Isaiah 43, you'll see a lot of the things God had done in the past, and it was really cool, but there is the context, it's pain and loss, so forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Why would he have to say see? Because they can't see it. Now it springs up. 
do you not perceive it? See, there's a perceiving involved when God is up to something new. There's a sense of joining. There's a sense of coming alongside God in the work that he wants to do in you and, and in me. And do we have the ability to perceive it? And what keeps us from it? What keeps us, maybe, what's the resistance in you and me towards the new? If we, if we find ourselves not going, hey, this is awesome, new, something new is about to happen, and more like, whoa, 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 I'm not ready for that, well, let's just talk about it. Like, what's the resistance in you and I, and, and new, and we've already named part of it, well, it doesn't always feel good, particularly as it starts to unveil itself. But we also have to acknowledge, number one, old feels safe, even if old is not great, even if old is not the best, even if old is destructive and not healthy, old feels safe because we know it and we're in it. And we'd almost rather be miserable than have to change. Can you see yourself in that, at least at some point in your life? You're dating somebody, it's unhealthy, it's dysfunctional, and yet, oh, the work just to get out of this relationship. I'd almost just rather be miserable, grin and bear it, than actually press in to the new. What's hard about change, what's hard about jumping into the new, is it's a little bit like you're going to get into a boat, you're going to row across a really large lake, or let's say you paddleboard. But row's better because here's the deal. As you row, what, and you're doing the backwards row, you're looking at what? You're looking at everything you're leaving. See, I have one daughter that's leaving the school and the friends that, that she, she has. We're pulling her from one school into another, and she's right now struggling so much. And I have to tell her, honey, all you know is what you're losing. You don't know what you're gaining. All you know is what you're leaving, the coastline. You're just rowing back, right? And at some point, you're going to get out in the middle of the sea, and you can't see the shoreline of what you left, and you can't see what's ahead, and that's going to feel pretty disorienting. But just keep rowing. Keep rowing. And then you're going to find yourself getting closer to a shore. You'll start to see some shape. You'll start to see some definition. Pretty soon, you'll, you'll come onto land. And that's the transition. It just feels so much safer to be on a side that even isn't best. And so that's why I think the, uh, the prophet Isaiah says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past, both good and bad. God can't do a new thing unless we release in our hearts the old thing. The Apostle Paul talks about this. He, he echoes Isaiah and says this, but one thing I do, he says, forgetting what is behind, and for Paul, there's really good stuff, there's religious pedigree, there's all sorts of, you know, he's won a lot of trophies and stuff in his day, but he's also done some really bad things that haunts him. He's forgetting all that, straining, he says, uh, pressing toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward 
in Christ Jesus. We have to surrender the old, which might now feel like the current, to make room for the new. Old feels safe. The second thing I'll say is your current, or we'll call it old, makes others feel safe. So if anyone has walked through uh, addiction or done study on family systems, when someone makes a move towards health, towards, say, sobriety, sometimes it's not celebrated by others around them because they liked you drunk better than sober. And that's hard. It moves the cheese of everyone around you because we're all in this kind of enmeshed way of relating to one another. It's dysfunctional. One person decides to break out of an unhealthy system. The tendency is to say, no, we liked you just where you were. It's fine if you change, but we're not changing with you. Can anyone relate to that? See, our stepping into new is a threat to others. It scares them on, on where they are. So my daughter Hadley shared that like pump up, you know, Apollo Creed message to me. Next morning I was so I was so excited, you know. So the next morning I wake up, my wife and I are having coffee in bed, and I'm like, you have to hear what Hadley told me. And she's like, what? So I tell her, I'm like, and then she said this, and then she said this. It was just awesome. And there's silence. And my wife says, in effect, well, do you really think you can help this guy? Is what she says. You guys are feeling that more deeply than I am. But. And she, she circled back around and she said, I think you just needed to disclose where you're, where you're uh, equipped to help and where you're not and let him decide. Interestingly, Hadley said the very same thing. But do you, do you see how this made my wife nervous as well? This, by the way, is our relationship. When I became lead pastor of Heartland Community Church. It was a growing church. It was a pretty large church. I was 32, newly married, no kids, only two dogs. And so what do I, what business do I have running a church? And at that time, there was just all this growth. We had parking problems. You know, we could not park people in our lot. So we had shuttle drivers and we were parking all over down blocks away. And so it was a real problem, this parking issue. And the day that was announced, but the, the lead pastor, Craig McElvain, when he, when he um, shared with me his vision to hand me the baton of senior pastor, I couldn't tell anyone except my wife. So I called her on the phone. I said, honey, I've got big news. And she said, well, what's that? I go, no, no, I got to tell you this in person. She goes, okay, well, I'm, I'm watering out back. Come find me. So I did. And she's out there holding the hose. She's like, what's your news? So I tell her that Mac's going to pass me the baton and I'm going to become the next senior pastor of Heartland Community Church. And she pauses for like three seconds. I'll never forget. She kind of cocks her head this way and the, the hose, just water's coming out this way and she pauses and she goes, well, that will solve the parking problem. <laughs> You're new will make others nervous. <laughs> Your old makes them feel safe. By the way, you know, she apologized immediately. <laughs> My wife is equipped to identify problems and solutions, not encouragements, 
okay? And, um, and, that's, and it's a beautiful thing. It took, took me about three hours to get over. It took her about 13 years, and uh, now I can tell the story, which is really fun. Okay, why are we resistant to perceiving? One, old is safe to us. And maybe you've heard the old adage, we need the pain of not changing to actually outweigh the pain of change itself before we'll do something. That's typically what happens. In the words of my friend uh, Tom Bronner, a mentor of mine, he does a lot of work with, with people in counseling and pastoral care. He says, you know, I know that at some point someone needs to hit rock bottom if they're going to step into the new thing. So what do I pray, he says? I pray that God lifts up their bottom so they don't have to fall as far. Isn't that such a gracious vision? But it's true. The pain of not changing ultimately has to be greater than the pain of change itself. Or does it? Or could we just be called to a new level of courage? And those around us need to be called to a new level of courage as well. Here's the, here's the other resistance that we, we have to perceiving the new thing and joining God in it. Is that old builds up a reinforcing set of rules and regulations. There's a lot invested in the old. Systems, rhythms, rules. From a, a religious standpoint, this is where we get legalism. And it just locks people in. And maybe you feel that. Maybe that's a bit of your wasteland, your wilderness, is you just, you feel locked in. You don't know how to break out. And you might be dealing with a few things. One is, there's some real things and people that are maybe pushing you to stay right, right where you are. Or there might be something in your own head that's telling you this. I was working with, uh, with a client. She was a part of a large corporation in HR, and she just kept saying, well, they won't let me do that. So I finally asked her, Susie, that's not her name, Susie, who is they? And she stopped for a moment, and she thought for a long while, and she said, I am they. I've never asked. I've never. It was her own narratives in her own head. So the work that we do with teams and organizations and the like are things like this. There's a tool uh, here I'm going to show you, and it's called Who Says You Can't? So this thing, provided that it's not illegal, right, or harmful to others, and we'll, we'll get to this, that it aligns with God in his deep heart in the scriptures, like he's calling you to the new, and what's keeping you, sometimes it's this confusion between, is this a real prohibition or is this an inhibition? See, inhibitions are those questions and narratives and soundtracks that run in your head all day long that keep saying, nope, you can't, nope, you can't, nope, you can't. Prohibition is like, no, you really can't. Like, you can't just jump a barbed wire fence uh, and, and go climb an electrical grid. You'll get electrocuted. No, you cannot drive 120 miles per hour down I-35, right? That you'll get arrested. There are certain prohibitions, but how often do we actually confuse the two? And really, there's something within you 
that's keeping you from going for it. Roy and I were having barbecue at Slaps. This is now quite a few months ago. Anybody been to Slaps down in uh, the Strawberry Hill area? So it's like the next KC Joe's. It's fantastic. They've got this They've got this, it's like old, like, dive. I mean, it's exactly how you want a barbecue place to look and be. And they've added this, this party deck up, like, on top that overlooks all of downtown Kansas City. It's just stunning. And on a day just like today, I mean, in the 70s, it's perfect. We get there at the worst time, which is like 1130, and the place is crawling with people. Like, 150 easy people all there. No one is on the top party deck. You could easily hold, I don't know, 50 or 60 people up there. There's not a soul up there. I'm like, what's going on? So I go and I'm searching. We get our food, got the tray, and I go to the bottom of the stairs, and there's one singular orange cone just right on the bottom step. There's no sign. There's literally nothing that says don't go up there. It doesn't say danger, doesn't say you'll die. It's just an orange cone that to about 150 other people, they saw that sign and in their brains they said don't, can't, won't. Crazy, right? They projected their own kind of thoughts onto a color and a shape, namely a cone that is orange. So I just went and grabbed an employee. I mean, I didn't just move the cone. I went and asked. I said, hey, what's up with the cone? He goes, I don't know. Maybe we were cleaning it and just haven't moved it. So he grabbed it, moved it away, and, and Roy and I were like, you know, it was like, woo-hoo-hoo, party deck for Roy and me. It was awesome. Where do you find that you're looking at an opportunity, but in your head, just so much inhibition? You're just seeing orange cones that say don't, when that's not what they're saying. That God is calling you to a new thing. It's springing up. He's making a way in the wilderness. Can't you see it? Can you perceive it? And do you have the courage to go after it? Well, what does perceiving look like? Let me just give you, I just want to give you some guardrails here. And the first is just simply that we, we have to be open to the new. Are you open? Have you surrendered the old and said, I, maybe, maybe it's good, by the way. Your old doesn't have to be bad. It could just be what is today. But we do know this about life, about all things, that if we're not growing, we're dying. Healthy things grow. This is true of plants. This is true of organizations. This is true of churches. This is true of babies. In what realm would it not be true that healthy things grow? And so, do you have a posture in your spirit of saying, I simply want to be one who is open to God doing a new thing in me?
I don't know what it is, and I'm okay with that. All I know is I want to be open to it. Number two, are you grounded in the now? So what we're not talking about here is escape. What we're not talking about is if I could just leave this situation and start over, say, a marriage, then everything will be easy. No, because here's the problem with that. You go with you to the next thing. You go with you. And so is there a sense of understanding for you of your identity, that you are grounded at your core? And you're able to say, well, I don't have it all figured out. But wherever I am now, I'm going to finish well. And I know that I'm not just running from a hard thing where I just need to stay and be faithful to. Number three, are you connected to others that will help you perceive together, be a co-discerner together? Do you have others that you trust that love you enough to tell you the truth, that have a heart for God, that you can, it's a little bit like going to a museum, you know, and there's a beautiful painting on the wall, and just you by yourself, you're trying to interpret it, make sense of it, and you're like, well, I, I see this, certain hues, I see a little bit of that, and foreshadowing with the light, the way the light comes in, but what we need to see the full splendor of it is we need somebody to come alongside and kind of go, hmm, with their eyes, hmm, with their perspective, hmm, a little bit different from a different angle of light and someone else to come around from the other side and go, hmm, well, I, I see this. To be a co-discerner in community together around your new. See, I, I had that. And I, I don't know, and it, and it was in the form of um, my best friends. It was in the form of spiritual directors, it was in the form of professional therapy. Now, you might not need all those things, but holy cow, was it, was it helpful? Are you connected to others as you head out into the new? And then lastly, are you seeking God? And I'm just telling you, um, so I left Scotland, I left this road, I'll just bring this picture back up. And that picture never left my heart. I came back and I shared with our leadership team. I just said, I showed them this picture. I, I didn't have answers at the time. I just said, something happened to me on this road in Scotland. And they could tell it. None of us had language for it, but they could tell I was going through a wilderness. I, I was in what felt like a wasteland. And I went, um, man, it was crazy. Just, I, I ended up taking, in effect, six months off from any preaching or any leadership. And I was just on hiatus, and it felt like wilderness. It felt like wasteland for me, trying to discern what the new was that God was up to. And there was a sense of loss. There was grieving. I didn't even have language for it. Um, there was confusion. I had no answers for people. 
Like, Dan, when are you going to speak again? Mm, don't know. For, for right now, I'm just volunteering in children's ministry. That's what my wife and I did for about four months. It was so disorienting. But we just kept trusting, seeking, sensing, perceiving, bringing in close, trusted others. We didn't have words. We didn't have language. And I'm telling you, it was the hardest and the richest time of my spiritual life ever. Because he was doing a new thing. The new thing was already happening. I just couldn't see it. I was having such a hard time forgetting the old. And yet he was shaping he was forming. And that word for my daughter, Hadley, if you hadn't have left then, taken that challenge there, stepped into that new thing here, you wouldn't be here. And what is here right now, I mean, just in this snapshot in my life, I feel more fully alive than I've ever felt in recent memory. Now, that might not be true tomorrow, but holy cow, if I hadn't, I didn't have the Lord leading me down this path. If I had stayed with what was safe, I would have just died inside a little bit each day. So I went back to my team on the day of my decision and I, and I, I, I said to them literally, I need to chase out that road. And they knew exactly what I was talking about. We walked through the communication. It was hard, it was painful, it was complicated, it was beautiful, it was all those things. And on my last Sunday, I, um, I gave my last talk. It was January 20-something of um, 2020. And at the very end, I was giving a benediction and all of my kind of friends and staff and those that I'd led with and locked arms with for 15, 20 years, they came up on stage and, um, and I gave a benediction to all of them. And I just put my hands up over the congregation. And, uh, and I said, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious towards you. May the Lord's countenance be turned towards you and bring you peace. And as I was doing that, one of my friends was on stage behind me and, and took a picture and as a team they, they framed it and I want to show it to you. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And so, Father, we pray for each person here in this moment, at their crossroads, at their sense of confusion, disorientation, loss, grief, pain, even some expectancy or anticipation in its unformed shape, 
maybe without words, without language, without answers, without the project plan. Would you put in each of us, God, myself too, what does it look like for us to surrender the now, to have our palms open to you at all times? And to say, what's next, oh God? What's next? Give us the ability to perceive and give us the courage to go. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.